Hi, welcome to Innovating Leadership, Co-Creating Our Future. I'm your host, Maureen Metcalf, the CEO and founder of the Innovative Leadership Institute. We help elevate leadership quality globally and work with those leaders to co-create a thriving future. I'm also a fellow with the International Leadership Association. I'm delighted that today we are talking to Tom Grody, the Chief Catalyst at Edge Innovation Hub, and Christoph Henska, Associated Professor on Systems Leadership and Entrepreneurial Ecosystems. And we're going to be talking about applying the innovative leadership concepts. So Tom, why don't you start by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. Thank you, Maureen. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm really thrilled to be here and to join this broadcast. My name is Thomas Grody. I am the Chief Catalyst for the Edge Innovation Hub. And the Edge Innovation Hub is an innovation center. We are focused on building principle-based businesses that lead with love and drive food innovation to the edge of possibility. So kind of a fun space to be in. I'm the Chief Catalyst, which means my job is to make things happen faster. So obviously we're aligned with mission and vision and purpose over here. We're in the food space, which means we get to play in all kinds of cool stuff, bringing tech in. We're focused on technology, bringing tech more into the food space through automation, robotics, AR, all of it, anything we can find that's advancing with technology. And I think one of the most important things we believe in, as you heard, principle-based, is we believe that values matter and that as we build our businesses, we need to ensure we're very clear about what problem we're trying to solve that's going to make the world a better place. So we're trying to help with that as well. My background is I've got a, a Wharton MBA. I have a finance background. I'm from Columbus, Ohio, and I grew up in a family business of pizza shops. We made a live made millions of pizzas. <laughs> and then I uh, got a little schooling in there too. And we get to help build our kind of family businesses, which involve the pizza business called Donato's, as well as an automation company. We make food equipment, as well as a bunch of startups. We have a 3D food printing company, and we're just really trying to lean into innovation and to make it happen faster. And you also did something with biofuels, right? That related to food byproducts. I had a little side hustle <laughs> into, I, I actually was a chief financial officer for a biotech startup and we were focused on plant-based chemicals. So I got to learn a, a lot about trying to work in a business that was helping to mitigate some of the effects of climate change. And I learned quite a bit there, but uh, I'm 100% focused in the food space now. And the reason I bring that up is the interconnection of food in feeding ourselves and also fueling our ecosystem and your connections to sustainability that you're weaving all of those now into what you're doing at the edge. Absolutely. And Christoph, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself as well? Yeah. Hi, I'm also really excited to be here. I'm right now sitting in the Netherlands. Actually, you are over the ocean. <laughs> I'm an associate professor, as you mentioned, at the School of Finance and Accounting at Saxion University of Applied Science. So it's in a university of applied science. We really look into how can we use the best of the thinking and make a change on the ground. So it's not so much about research as well, but it's more about really impacting society by the best thinking. And there I'm covering systems leadership and entrepreneurial ecosystems. So this, I think also, Tom, what kind of connects us to the thinking, how do I have to be a leader in order to 
bring people together in a way that real innovation together can happen. So I think that's one of our connection points already. And in my work, I act in complex, ambiguous kind of network systems. For example, right now I'm working with the Cleantech Regio, uh, Cleantech region. It's about a multi stakeholder system of organizations of how can we become a region in the Netherlands here, how can this region be the most um, circular and sustainable in whole Europe in the next 20 years-ish, 20 years-ish. And so that's an exciting project as an example, and it's really complex and fuzzy. And so my research then also focuses really on empowering leaders to change their strategic models and operational models. And this has to do a lot with values and mindset, because my experience is that actually most of those transformation change processes of coming, going from A to B fail because decision makers are not aware of their values and how, what happens to them if their values are actually undermined. And this comes then into this tool, what we also will talk about today. So it's something that, that I'm working on. So to really work on transformation, not only by saying, oh, you know what, we are now circular, we are now sustainable, but we are doing it with our kind of old values that actually created all the mess that we are having here. What are the new values that we have to learn, to adjust, to live into, and how might they, yeah, sometimes undermine values or things that are important to us for 20 years or that were infused into us through our childhood. And it's really hard to get rid of that and to notice it. So I think that's, that's my work and combining it not so much with technology. Technology is always really an enabler for me. I'm really working here on the human side, the socioeconomic side. So you've done a beautiful job of setting up the depth of the conversation we're going to have. Both Christoph and Tom are certified Innovative Leadership Institute facilitators, and that's where they met and started to extend the work that ILI is doing in the space of values and how values inform how we lead, what we choose to lead, and how we run our organizations. And as Christoph said, often we do superficial exercises. We pick a set of values cards, we do a sort, we talk about it for a half hour, and then we go back and do what we are doing, do our day jobs. So Christoph and Tom are really going to explore the work that they did together in the certification program where Christoph took our tools and extended them into a much more in-depth systems thinking approach to values and leadership and running an organization. So Christoph, with that introduction, can you tell our listeners a little bit about what you did, recognizing that they don't have the visuals that we've all seen. And we will post a blog that shares some of these visuals. Yeah, Tom, so please help me when I'm saying something or when something is missing. I think it all started with you and I, we were learning partners in the in the course at Marine, at the Innovative Leadership Institute. And in this course, we were asked to look into what are actually our core values and how do those core values influence our daily decisions? So we were given a list of, how was it, 20, 40, 50, or 80? It was a long list of words. <laughs> and then we picked the 10 most important ones and then the four most important ones, kind of boiling it down. And then we were sitting there with this bullet point list. And I think it then started that we think that we thought, at least it's my version, and I, I think you might, might have something to fill in here, that we said, well, actually, those values on the point list, those values into they kind of have a causal relationship there. 
because the more I have of this one value, the one thing, the more I have of the other, the more of the next one. And this then really started to help me see that actually that our values or that my values at least actually connected in a little flywheel in this little tiny little system flywheel that if this moves fast something else happens that we then call superpower or kind of my purpose kind of like this it started and then took way off tell us what your three values were because i think those illuminate the conversation a lot yeah it was healthy family and with healthy family i meant a financially spiritual so economically, socially, uh, relationally, and spiritually healthy. And then it was um, economic success. My freeness of mind, kind of peace of mind was another one. And then setting, setting other human beings on fire. This is what I also do as a lecturer. And so I noticed, well, the more actually my family is healthy, the more I have peace of mind. The more I have peace of mind, the more I can act in a way that I'm able to set others on fire because I have this inner freedom to go out there. And you know what? I know that my family is taken care of. And the more I'm able to set others on fire, the more business opportunities also emerge. And I'm coming home healthy and not kind of grumpy. <laughs> you know, so my family is healthy again. And I just, well, it's actually really simple. These were my kind of core values. So what's actually the superpower about Tom? So Christoph keeps wanting to put it over to me, Maureen. Is that okay? Are you ready? <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. I just wanted to hear Christoph's because I've seen them and it's so much more powerful to hear his story than just the framework. And now it's time for your story, my friend. Well, let's face it. I mean, core values, the work we did in, in your training was absolutely phenomenal. We had leaders from all over the world collaborating we did it before pre-pandemic, before the Zoom thing became the Zoom thing. So we were kind of ahead of the curve, weren't we? Because of the training, because of the way you set it up, Maureen, Christoph and I were able to connect. And I think it's a great example of innovation because innovation is about connecting folks in a very safe, trusting environment. And then the way that you allowed us to take concepts and make them our own and then extend upon them is innovation. And so what came out of our collaboration and the homework that you assigned us was some innovation. It was incredibly impactful for me to, first of all, identify my core values. I had three, but I've added another one. My core values are love, courage, family, and community. And they're all equally important to me in our conversation with Christoph that we had together was understanding how they interplay. And I still have the original drawing that we did. I have it hung on my wall. It is so meaningful to me, but Christoph took it, took the flywheel approach and started to talk to me about how they work together and how, if you're aligned with those core values and how they interplay with each other, that sense of what's the German word there, Christoph? Subsberg, <laughs> Wirksamkeit. <laughs> well, you nearly nailed it. Selbstwirksamkeitswahrnehmung, self-efficacy, I think. Self-efficacy. Yes. And so they really help us own our own power a little bit more because as we move forward in the world, if we're very clear about what our values are, the rest of it gets so much easier. And if we can find ways to live in our values at work, at home, how much more powerful you are. And then we set ourselves up and it's the flywheel. 
we can, if we can align with all those values, we set ourselves up to use our real gift or North star or purpose, whatever you want to call it. And mine I identified with the help of Christoph is to inspire and to be in spirit. And so as I've learned, if I'm not in a role, if I'm not in a place where I have the opportunity to inspire, to use my gift as much as I possibly can, I'm not going to feel as powerful. I'm not going to have the impact I could have. And so that is, that's the basis of what happened out of the class, the space that you provided us. And for me, it's taken on a life of its own as well. Christoph, can you take us then through the next step of this journey? So you created the initial flywheel, but then you took it further. So can you tell us about the next step in your creating a systems model out of the values list? Yes. So one of the things that I noticed, I, so I, I got super excited, like Tom, about this insight that we there had. It's like, wow. So because it felt really empowering to start seeing how this, if I keep this flywheel running, that actually so many things become much more easy and actually my superpower, my superpower, if all of these things happen is in the end, what I first thought is my core value, but it's actually kind of this identity that I have to be able to inspire other people, to set people on fire. And this is this what I'm constantly getting back now from oh, my whole life I already got back, but now I understood it. So, but what I noticed then, I got really excited. I applied this in a lot of my coachings, in a lot of my teachings. And one of the things that really frustrated me, I mean, literally, I mean, my foot nails crawled up so many times when I noticed that one thing that is what people say and the other things is what people do. And so kind of what is your nominal values or what are your real values? Yeah. And so we created all of those in our coaching, we created all those great flywheels. And then weeks later, my coaches came back and said, yeah, you know, I did this and this and that. And then everything sounded fine. I said, well, you know, I don't, I don't know if I want, if I can believe you and I want to believe you. Is that really true? It sounds also beautiful. And so, and so we figured out that I gave them the task of saying, if it is true, now, in my case, if it is true that a healthy family is your core value, what are you doing in your daily life that you live this core value? I have to see this lived out in action. So collect those moments. And so I sent my coaches out there and said, collect moments. And so they actually collected more and more of those moments where they noticed, well, I'm actually not living my core value. So either we did a wrong exercise and we have to adjust it. It's not your core value. Because if it's your core value, it's important to you and you should live to it or you're constantly getting frustrated, or, and then we have to change it, that's fine, or you're actually behaving against your values. Why? It's really, it's my real value. It's not something that was infused by my parents. And so with this, by reflecting the values against real situations, we were able to start in the next step now of this development, there are more to it, to see how do values end up creating reality out there in daily life? And so is it, as we say in the Netherlands, gebakken lucht or baked hot air? Yeah, or is it just is it real? And what I notice then over time that actually we can go um, a step further to start identifying patterns. So this is what we started to do by looking at those situations. For example, one of my coaches, he, he was sitting in a conversation with a minister, and at one moment he left the video conference with a minister. And so first he was proud his value of being authentic because this minister did something. So he's a high-level leader in a German NGO. And this minister was doing something that really contradict, kind of attacked his core value of relationship building. 
And so he stick to his value of being authentic, which was another one. And so he left the conference. And so he first was happy and said, well, are you really happy? What are the consequences of that? Like, well, yeah. And then we start talking about it and he started to see that actually one of the side effects is that he is increasing polarization in German society, you know, but just leaving it increases polarization. And with this, he undermined another of his core values, which is being seen as a trusted leader. I mean, how can you be seen as a trusted leader if no one knows if something happens in a conference, you're just leaving without saying. And so he started to see that actually there is a pattern. And so we were being able to look into those patterns of why did he behave like that? Because my core value was attacked. Yeah. But then my behavior response to this actually created that I become my own biggest enemy towards another core value of mine. And this was really, really powerful for him to see. And now we are collecting all those patterns and situations. And he starts seeing that actually he can start identifying what Viktor Frankl said so nicely. It's a, it's a psychoanalyst who survived the Auschwitz concentration camp, who said there's a space between stimulus and response. And in this space lies our freedom to react. And so not after that and not before, because when you reacted, it's too late. And when it's before, it's too early. And so those identifying those moments really helped the coaches. Does this make sense? Yeah, I really appreciate that you've got the values plotted in a circle. In the center, you've got a superpower. And then you can chart behaviors and create basically causal loops. So this value caused you to do this action or you chose you chose the action. What's important to mention is the tool actually helps what's powerful, what I learned myself. It was a learning experience, you know, I, but testing and, and moving it forward. The tool helps leaders to see how emotional states impact decisions and costs. Because first in hypothesis of me that we started to test now, and it's true, actually, that in the moment I'm having a strong negative emotional response, it seems that our core values or our core identity is being attacked or being slowed down or being kind of something pushes against it. And now it's really easy to visualize that. And then also to say, well, it's okay if you are angry. It's completely okay that you are angry because emotions are it's something like saying, like, don't be so emotional. I personally think it's the most stupidest thing that one can say. It's like saying, stop breathing. You know, we are always in an emotional state. We are, as this number says, kind of 90 seconds we are in this emotion. We are trapped and we are a victim of our emotion. Yes. But after this one and a half minutes, if you are then still angry after half an hour, that's your unconscious or conscious choice. Staying in this anger, we are often, because we are not trained in this, it often undermines our other core values, our identity, and creates situations and behaviors that destroy stakeholder, shareholder, organizational value. And this really simple tool in really short moment really easily shows how my core values, my identity, is connected to my emotional states, is connected to my behaviors and to the outcomes. And to the outcomes, we can put numbers. And then we can trace it back to how much does it cost to not be aware of your emotional state? And how much do you constantly, also on a monetary level, destroy value because you're unable 
to know when you're in which state. So something happens. I have a 90 second reaction. Standard, we all have them. And our emotions give us valuable information. Then I am at a choice point for how I respond to the emotions. Once my brain comes back online, I can choose, process it, set it aside, ignore it and act like nothing's happening, in which case it owns me. I then start reacting to it and that reaction drives my behavior and that behavior has a cost. In this example, walking out of a meeting as a trusted advisor had a cost of minimizing or impacting the trust people had for this individual. For people who don't know that emotional intelligence matters, but haven't really put detailed numbers to it, this gives you the opportunity to hardcore validate your ability to manage your emotions are driving your professional success. Absolutely, yes. Tom, I want to shift to you for a second. You've used this framework in some key decision-making in your life that led you actually to taking this role. Would you share a little bit about that? Yeah, so I'll take a little little side track here. After the class and we were certified and Christophe and I have continued to maintain relationship, uh, of course, the pandemic hit, right? Now we are all on Zoom, you know, sequestered away and all that sort of stuff. Because of the experience I had with the fly, the values flywheel, it inspired me and identified my core values and, and my superpower to do a daily broadcast called Seven Minutes of Sunshine at 7.07 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And in that seven minutes, the purpose, and this evolved over time, is to inspire more people to know their value and their values. And I started doing that about a month into the pandemic as I found the pandemic was a time of stress, a time of self-reflection, and a time of adjustment. And I, for my own self, I wanted to clearly stay focused on my values, my superpower, and I also wanted to use my superpower to inspire others. So I started doing this broadcast. I've done going on 270, 280 of these broadcasts now. I do some daily reminders in there. Things like we are worthy and deserving of respect simply because we exist. Things like I have a precious human life. And I think as I wake up, I have a precious human life and I'm not going to waste it. Things like that. So I have a, I have a bunch of daily reminders for folks. One of the daily reminders is to know our values and ask the question, how are we going to lean into our values today? Right. Ask yourself that every day, because the first step is, we have to know our values. We have to know them. So the exercise of first knowing them, and you would be surprised. I've had a hundred guests come onto my show and share their values and their superpower with the audience. And about 50% of them say to me, gosh, I hadn't really thought about what my values are. And you're like, okay, well, good. But but what's amazing is how many of them, because I ask people that are, are making a difference in the world, how many of them are actually living their values, doing some great work. But to know what those values are so that you can follow the process that that Christoph outlined so you can test them in reality. Am I really using those values? So you got to know them first. So my program is a way to get more people to know their values and their value, which is that center part, that superpower. Am I using it? Am I, I am worthy, for goodness sakes. 
So the last part, which is a question you asked is, gosh, just back in the beginning of the year, my husband's mother died. And I come from a family business setting. And it was a tough time for him and me and our girls. But one of my core values is family. And Maureen, I talked to you about it many times. I've been trying to figure out what the hell I'm going to do in this last couple chapters of my career. Maybe there'll be more. I don't know. But I, I went back to my core values and I have a chance to work with my dad. And he's here at our innovation center every day. He'll build these businesses. And I said, you know what? I got to do it. I got to spend this time with him and help him help him with his superpower, which is to create and make things. He's an inventor, but he doesn't always know how to get to the, get to the end. And I'm damn good at being a catalyst. So together we are building stuff and creating stuff and innovating. And I really let go of all the crap that can get in the way, Christoph, some of those things in that beautiful mapping that you've done and said, you know what? Let's go back to the value and let's go back to think about what it's going to be like 20 years from now. And what do I want to say I did, you know, with my dad who's 77 and I'm not going to blow that. So that's a real world example of using the values and asking myself every day when I do that gut check every day is an opportunity to do that real world assessment. And it has major implications in our lives. You actually made a career change or yeah, a career change because of the work you were doing and that you have found an outlet to share it with people and how you and Christoph collaborate also in leveraging his systems mapping and your innovation work. It's just to me such an inspiration to see this have a life of its own. So one of the things both of you have talked about is The first time we do the values exercise, we often have kind of a preconceived image of who we are in the world that came from our families and our religious education and our conditioning, wherever, whoever it is that influenced us the most. And that doing this exercise and living into it. And Christoph, as you talk about looking at the negative and positive reinforcement loops really causes us to ask the question, is this really my core value or is it something else? And that we hold less tightly values we thought previously defined us in favor of our own genuine values. So it's really that individuation process of letting go of who we thought we were to become who we can most authentically be in the world. And this process is tough when we have to say, my top three doesn't include X. And I've always thought that was really important to me. It's like letting go of family members. So can you share either one of you a little bit about that process? How about if you start, Tom? I'll share that with my guests on my program, which which I broadcast live on I have a Facebook page called Seven Minutes of Sunshine and a YouTube channel called Seven Minutes of Sunshine. So if you're interested, it's there and all the videos are archived. But my guests say the hardest thing is to prioritize or narrow the list of values down, Maureen, which I'm sure you're aware because this exercise is part of your training. That's part of the process of discerning between what's most important to us. What are the things that are non-negotiables? And when you get to three or four, I do four, when you get to those, 
they're non-negotiable. If my career gets in the way of a family that I had, you know, being a, a, an out gay person in the U.S., a little bit old on the older side of the movement, I had to fight for my family. I had to fight for the right to get married. I was I was an activist and an advocate, and we had to fight for marriage equality. I had to fight for the right to adopt my children. I love and love being another one of my values. I love my family. I tell this to folks, folks who haven't had children or folks who are contemplating having children. Once you have a child, whether you adopt or you have a child, it's a love like no other. There is all the things come in about protecting that child, nurturing that child. And I literally had never felt the feeling of knowing that I would jump in front of a bus to save my child. That is a love that is indescribable. It's unconditional. So again, a core value. So I know that whatever else I do in my life, they have to be built around those values. Community is another one. Encourage is the other because being an out gay person, I've had to lean into courage many times or I would, I might not be here to tell you the truth. So they're non-negotiable for me. You got to ask yourself which ones, they might still be a value, might be a secondary tier. They might still be important to you, but those core values, they're just non-negotiable. And so were there values that you let go of? That's a great question. I'd have to think about that because I'm so focused on my core values. Maybe Christoph can help too, but I, I would have to say, you know, community is one of them. I added that value because building community, like at the innovation hub, like in the LGBTQ community, like in the business community, like at your, in your class, Maureen, that we had was a community. There's so much power in community because we balance each other's superpowers and we collectively bring that together. And when we can do, we can do a lot as an individual, but as a community, man, we can just, we can change the world. We can do big things. So building that community is so, so powerful for me. So anything outside of that money, okay, that, that comes along maybe, but do I have to be a billionaire? No. What else? Material stuff really, I think is the stuff that, you know, after you get your basic needs met, unless you're going to use that wealth to help you accomplish something, you know, what, what, what do you get from that long-term? I mean, so what? So I think some of those things, because you focus on those core values hard, the other stuff just kind of comes underneath it and becomes less important and kind of, that's how it works. Cool. Thank you. Christoph, you sounded like you have either had this struggle personally or have worked with coaching clients who are, are struggling with what is really me and what did I think was me that I may not hold so tightly anymore. Yeah. So both, I had it for myself. What I'm, And this was actually one of the reasons why I got back into um, education. Um, so I always loved education since my young age. I always loved to work with any kind of age group. And then for many years, actually for 10, 12 years, I, I had my own company and I really liked it. I really, I really liked this work. But what I noticed is actually my passion and what's really, really important to me is to work with the next and the next next generation in order to give them the trust in themselves that they can make a change in the world so this was one of the reasons why i let go of something that i thought is important to me i have to be independent completely to go back actually work one of the largest universities of applied science in the netherlands which is has more than 28 25 000 students i'm now working for them 
as an employee. And one day a week, I'm working with my with my own business and my coaches, etc., and doing some projects. And one of the best feedbacks then I actually got, which confirmed that I'm on the right track, were two things. A, one day a mother, I kind of knew her because she wanted to get to know me of who is this guy and this lecturer impacting his son so much. So we had a conversation and then she said, so what are you doing to my son? What are you doing? And I said, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, what, what, what is, what happened? And I really felt bad already. Like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And then she said, he starts reading nonfiction books. He never did that. I'm like, oh, great. Because obviously I did something conscious or unconscious because of my superpower to set others in motion, you know, set someone on fire, setting someone in motion to start moving. Or another student due to Corona, we didn't see each other for a year and we had this online course and then they all, the students start, said, you know what, we at least once, Christoph, we want to meet you. And then we organized this barbecue. And the first thing that happened when I moved there, when I got there, I showed them, you know, I was tested and here nothing happened, I'm not dangerous. And then the students, can we hug you? And like, wow. And this showed me that actually one of the, something that's really important to me to, to work with, with the next, next, and next, next, next generation, I'm also not that young anymore. This is one of my core values, which I haven't captured before. And this is now coming into it. It's really, really important to me. And I get so much joy and satisfaction out of working with this next generation. And and another one is actually one of this person that I just mentioned who left the room when he was sitting there with a minister that we're now constantly coming into the situations that we are reflecting together where he starts questioning himself. Is he actually a person that is always wanting to have harmonious relationships? And it's okay. It's okay that you do not want to have only harmonious relationships. It's okay to fight. It's okay to have love and power. You know, but love without power is sentiment, as Paul Tillich once said. Love without power is sentiment and power without love is tyranny. So what's his balance? And he learned for himself that he's only about love. Like, actually not. This was something that he learned through his family. And he now is also starting to live through and live into more. How can I be powerful and strong and forcing and forceful without being forceful that destroys? And this is constant reflection. And I think values, their core values might be relatively static. We now uh, experiment how long actually are those values alive. Now it becomes really interesting what happens when one of the coaches becomes a father. You know, what happens when one is changing a job? Is it still the same? And then the question, if it changes, is it really your core value? Are you movable or non-movable? So this is really exciting to start observing now. How does change over time? You go through this process and yet we're dynamic beings. How do you keep the values alive and present and something you're in dialogue with, not again, an exercise that you did. And then, you know, Tom, that piece of paper will fade and you'll take it off the wall in favor of a nice piece of art. How do you continue to engage them like you engage a family member because they're a part of yourself? Yeah. So one of the things that I start noticing in my coaching is coaching clients and also my students. In the beginning, it's very hard to constantly remember them because either they're so implicit that it's hard to point them and to give them a name. Or the other one is that we never thought that, this, that we are allowed to talk about this stuff because, you know, as rational beings, 
And as adult, we don't talk about these things. And one day a month we have a meeting, but actually what is this every single week I'm having, we're having those five minute check-ins to just to say, how are you in relation to your values? How can I be, what can I do to support you? Remind, remember, you know, and this is kind of this little angel sitting on the shoulder and constantly helping remind Tom, what you said, this constant reminders. And actually what's super exciting now to observe that was the first coaching clients they're actually taking this because it inspired them so much because it really helps them so much to stay in themselves, you know, contain themselves and be in their base presence so much that they starting using this simple little exercise to do with their teams. So there's one who's doing it with his, all his different teams in his organization that each team, each project team has to create those core value flywheels together as a clarification and kind of incarnating in their role exercise. Yes. And then he takes those on a meta level and brings them together in order to understand what is actually the nominal cultural values of our organization. What are the real ones and how might they each other cancel each other out or strengthen each other. So he can start pulling those flywheels, like little wheels together into a big map. And this is then for me, system leadership, because leadership without looking at this, how our inner systems or inner states influence our outer reality, well, this is a, one of the core ideas of system leadership. Maureen, could I just add that everything Christoph said is perfect, and I would just add, it must become part of a practice. And it's just like gratitude. A lot of people do things like a daily gratitude thing in the morning or a journal, a gratitude journal. But for instance, the tool that Christoph has developed, further developed, is something that needs to be practiced. It has to be practiced on a regular basis. And when it becomes part of your practice, because we are practicing all the time, right, for more, to do better, to do more. When it comes part of your practice, then it becomes a way of life to check in, to do a check-in on your values and to ask yourself, how am I living those values? Is it really happening or is it not? And what am I doing to getting in the way of living my values? So I think the tool, I can't wait to see it published. Awesome, practical tool that can be used once a week, every day, once a month, however you want to use it, but it has to be used. It has to be used as part of a practice. How else do you use it to reinforce as your daily practice? My daily seven minutes of sunshine is my practice. <laughs> I'm so lucky. <laughs> I have to do prep work for that. So it's not just the seven minutes. It helps me in the fact that I'm actually interviewing others. I send folks the exercise. I have them identify their value. I put together a graphic for them with their values and their superpower with photographs that reinforce. They give me their photographs. And then that graphic displays while they're speaking, they speak to it. Mm. Then I get to ask questions about, tell me more about how that value lived in X or Y or Z. You know, I just interviewed somebody who ran for Congress here in the United States, here in Columbus, Ohio, the last cycle. And I got to hear her talk about how she lived her values in that campaign. She did not win. What did she learn? How, you know, those sorts of things. So for me, Every day, I've got a bit of a tool that I'm using. I would just say that finding tools that are very practical and simple and easy to use. At the Edge Innovation Hub, we have a little coin that we give everybody. 
And the three things there is to lead with love, use the golden rule and do the next right thing. And we give folks that coin and we just say, whenever you're struggling in that moment, Christoph, that 90 seconds when you're struggling, pull the coin out and grab it. And it, you could you could do something with any any whatever your values are, right? Just remember, remember your core values. So we use that here. It's very practical. We can get all lofty and we can talk about all this stuff. But when it all comes down to it, give folks very simple tools to use so that they can bring them alive into their everyday lives. You have now inspired me. I use a Holosync meditation tool and embedded in that is subliminal affirmations in our own voice. And so today I will re-record those affirmations because it's time to update them with my values as part of the affirmation. I had them before, but to the point of the conversation, it's been a while and who I am now is different as hopefully I'm evolving. And then the other piece I use in organizations, so to circle back to what Christoph talked about in the work of integral theory, we, we talk about decision-making or part of how I apply it in teaching decision-making anyway, is as we have big decisions, not, you know, where do I go to dinner, but big organizational decisions to run them through almost a checklist. And the first is, is this aligned with my values? And so I consulted with an organization a number of years ago, and they were looking at cost-cutting measures, and it happened to be a restaurant chain. And one of the cost-cutting measures was limit the amount of food employees could eat during break, which seemed reasonable. When the leaders looked at that against their values, what they discovered is that's completely contrary to how we build culture around food and that many of their employees, this is their full-time jobs. And so they're not living with mom and dad and they have enough food at home. Getting food at work may make the difference between feeding the family and not. So when they looked at that decision through the lens of values, as well as culture and things like if someone now eats too much, they're stealing, would you fire them? Again, that's a values, it's a behavior decision, but it's also a values decision. Here's this often young person working really hard who's just darn hungry. What decision do you make in that moment? And what they came back to was clearly this cost-cutting measure won't work for us. I don't know what they ended up doing. They're still in business and quite profitable, so I trust they came up with something that was more well aligned and they were a preferred employer. Their commitment to each other was that they would continue this process in all of their substantial decisions. So can we live with the decisions we're making was another nice tool to reinforce what we do matters. It matters in the lives of all of our employees. It ripples through the system. It ripples through their families and it ripples through, Tom, our communities. And as leaders, knowing those values and using them as the foundation for core decisions, whether it's cost cutting or what markets do I go into, where do we not invest in favor of investing in something else? Because I'm assuming at the edge, you're doing really exciting work and 
you still have to make financial decisions about what not to do in favor of doing something else. Yes. And, and Maureen, I would add, are the decisions you are making make the flywheel go faster or does it slow the flywheel down, period? And if, if you've identified the right superpower for your business, the right gift that does have a business model that makes money and you do have the right values, then you lean in hard. You got to go for it. Step on the gas. Make it happen. You know, don't be timid about it. Be aggressive, assertive about going for it. Now, if they're not the right values and it's not the right superpower that has a model that can be competitive and make money, then you better think about that, right? So that's kind of where it starts. But I like everything you said, and it can't just be live with. It's like, no, it has to accelerate the flywheel because that's going to make us more competitive. That's going to give us a better workforce. That's all those things. The results that we create are those in alignment with the core values and how do our core values and emotional states impact our decisions and results that we have and that we experience. And the first thing and the second is that never ever when you are back in your boardroom and literally now leaving the car, probably listening to this podcast, leaving the car, being in the boardroom or in your project team, and there's someone saying, these emotional states are not relevant or someone acting in a way that you notice, well, this is actually an unreflected emotional state and it's actually hindering something, do not accept it because this destroys your organizational value. This unconscious acceptance of our emotional states without noticing where do they actually stem from and how they impact. And I think that's, yeah, that's really important. Brilliant. Thank you. And I, I love the way we are bringing this to a close that the emotional state has economic value, that understanding our values provides an accelerator, that all this stuff is nice to do, but it drives our business success. It's not just people have the luxury of doing this emotional soft stuff or this value soft stuff, but that this is an accelerator of ourselves as leaders and of our organizations. It drives to one of my values, which is impact. It's a differentiator to the machine. Yeah, we don't have time to go into it now, but the idea that with artificial intelligence and machine learning and how do you embed values, specifically love, into machines is also a topic we will talk about at another point, but a passion of this group. <laughs> Sorry, that was the tease for the next interview. Christoph, closing comments about what's next. What's next? We are developing this further. We are starting to publish this and stay tuned on the website of the Innovative Leadership Institute. You will find in the next months, we, we have to see how long it takes, weeks, months, the article and the tool description. Promised. Cool. Pinky promise. <laughs> Thank you. How about you, Tom? How are you using it and what's next for you? Well, relative to the tool that's being developed, I'm here to just, I'm here to help. I'm here to help inspire folks to use that tool because I think it really will make the world a better place. It will make our organizations better, our project teams better. It, it really will make everything better if we can just start by identifying our values and then working hard and using them and using that superpower. It really does create a world that is more sustainable, more human, more humane for everyone, not just for elite groups. So to our listeners, thank you for joining us. It is because of you that we do these podcasts. 
we are committed to making the world better and we can only do that by sharing good information that you in fact put into practice. So thank you for investing your time with us today to listening and to trying out what Tom and Christoph have recommended. Please share our podcast with others and most important, put it into practice and come back and use more of our information. Thank you for listening. And thank you for the impact you, each one of our listeners are making in the world. Mm -hmm.